What's up, Stranger Talk? Welcome back to another Stranger Talk episode. This is episode 22. And this is gonna be like a, you know... This is gonna be like, the first part of this episode is gonna be like, the Duffer Brothers reveal which character was supposed to die in Stranger Things Season 4. I'm like, wait, what? And... And also, beware, because there are spoilers for season four of Stranger Things. Of Stranger Things, yeah. If you're still reeling from the, from the major injuries and deaths during the season four Stranger Things finale, we're here to tell you that things actually could have been worse. The hit series creators... The Duffer Brothers, of course, revealed in a recent interview that yet another member of the cast was originally supposed to die before episode 9 came to a close. And you'll legit never guess who it is. Matt Duffer, Matt Duffer briefed Collider on the stunning revelation in terms of who makes it, who lives or dies. I think there was a version where Dimitri, aka Enzo, didn't make it. Pauses for dramatic effect and to regroup emotionally and spiritually. Then he ended up making it, but that's the most radical of of a of a departure from the original idea versus what we ended up with. Matt added, Dimitri's character is played by Tom, oh my god, I can't, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, his last name, who you might also recognize as Jaken Edgar from Game of Thrones, I didn't know that, however, in Stranger Things Season 4, his character is initially introduced as one of the guards who wind up attempting to assist Hopper in escaping from a Russian prison with the help of smuggler Yuri Yuri Imelov that is until he himself is imprisoned for his tre- for his treason it's then that Dimitri truly wins over our hearts after he and Hopper strikes up an unlikely bond in their effort to get out and save the universe lol at the end of season 4 Dmitri even makes it out of Russia of the Russian prison alive with Hopper, Joyce and Murray though eagle eyed fans observed that he was notably absent when Hopper and Joyce returned to Hawkins so TBD on how his story ultimately plays out on season 5. Both Dimitri and Yuri quickly became fan favorites over the course of the new season. So much so that Stephen King, yes, that Stephen King even mentioned he wanted to see a spin-off built around Yuri. Ross Duffer also expanded on how he and his brother rarely deviate from storyline making the decision not to kill Yuri 
Nantikyo Dimitri extra meaningful. When we're breaking a season, that is one of the first things we're talking about is where do we want this story to end up? So the ending is always that post goal. He explained, even as we're breaking episode one, we know exactly where we're going. I don't think we've deviated truly in any season for the final finale. We've always stuck to it. I believe the case is the same here. So that's it for that segment. Now we're going to get to the next one. Okay, I'm back for the next segment, which is Stranger Talk Volume 1 Recap. <sighs> yep. Stranger Things Volume 1. Stranger Things fo- Season 4 Volume 1 Recap. The haunt for Hawkins' scariest yet leads to long-awaited answers. It's all about potential, potential statistics with these superheroes, and Eleven's past in the first batch of season four episodes. Chapter one, the Hellfire Club. It begins in 1974, four years before events, the events of Stranger Things first season. Dr. Martin Brenner, Matthew Modine is at the Hawkins lab conducting studies on a young subject he calls Ten. Ten is having visions of horror, a bloodbath. Brennan investigates their children, shattered glass, blown outdoors. It appears that it's eleven. Seething and dripping with blood that that's responsible. What have you done? Brenner asks. What has she done exactly? It appears it appears the eleven we've come to know these last few seasons has an even darker history than we realized. Well guys, if you know you know, you know if you know she if you know you know, then Q California German <clears throat> Sorry. We jump ahead into March 1986. It's been 185 days since Joyce ferried Eleven, Will, and Jonathan to California in a letter to boyfriend Mike. Eleven gets up with us. Up. Joyce works from home now. Will is acting quote-unquote weird and painting a lot. And Jonathan is the ghost, clouded in pots of impaling around with a failable stoner, Argyle. Elle's also not being entirely honest. She says she's thriving in California, but the truth is that her grades are bad and she's being bullied restlessly, relentlessly, by a preppy clique led by blonde harpy, but blonde harpy. Angela. Thankfully, she has something to look forward to. Mike's planned spring break visit. In Hawkins, our teenagers, our teenage hero, heroes are now in high school. They're also slowly drifting apart from each other. Mike, Dustin, and Lucas 
are members of the Dungeons and Dragons collective called uh, the Hellfire Club. But Lucas is ditching the big final of, his, of their campaign to play in a championship game of the, of the Hawkins basketball team. If he does well, he reckons it could endear him to Jason and the rest of the Tigers, thus granting him, and he says, Mike and Dustin, entry into the cool crowd. Mike and Dustin don't care. They feel betrayed. They're tasked by Frizzy, Harry, Hellfire, Hellfire Head, Honcho, Eddie, to recruit to recruit a replacement for Lucas. They find it in Erica, the gay lady, Applejack, the chaotic good half-elf rogue, level 14, looks like some of Lucas' minor tendency rubbed off. Relatable teenage drama by and by and large, but this being Hawkins, something supernatural is afoot. Head cheerleader, Chrissy, Though sunny and all smiles on the court is seeing things, dark, horrified things. The kind she could never straight tell straight laced boyfriend Jason about monstrous visions of her mother, for example, or the spe- spectral grandfather clock filled with spiders. She finds refuge in Eddie, of all people, she hopes will, will sell her the kind of drugs that just might make it all go away. First, and guys, don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. First, and first though, she has to cheer. She has to cheer her way through the tiger. The tiger's big game, which is juxtapose against Hellfire clubs culminating campaign as the tigers square off with the falcons Mike, Dustin, and Eric the company take the dungeon's master Eddie bakes big Eddie's big bag vape now the Sinclair the Sinclair's win for both camps Lucas scores the winning basket and Erica lands the killing blow the killer blow and then there's Max is drifting in her own way. She's living in a trailer with her mother, who's working two jobs and often drunk, and still processing the loss of Billy with the school counselor, Miss Kelly. She's also broke broke up with she also broke up with Lucas, who in a mix of concern and puzzlement tells her it's like you're a ghost or something. She skips the game to look after her incapacitated mother but but spot something curious Eddie and Chrissy and all a couple if there ever was one is appearing into Eddie's uncle's trailer inside the trailer Eddie leaves Chrissy alone as he digs up his product product bad idea the vision return the visions return worse than ever Chrissy sees her mother um Another thing that her father with his I, oh my god you guys know that part right and there and then there's a hulking groaning humanoid beast don't cry Chrissy it's 
it says to her, it's time for your suffering to end. What? Yeah, that part was kind of scary when I was watching that part. In Eddie's eyes, Corsi is catatonic. Her eyes rapidly blinking, she begins to levitate. And as we watch, and as he watches in horror, her bones snap in unnatural directions. Her eyes spit, spill blood and suck back into her school. It's it's easily the most explicit shock of violence in Stranger Things history. A gut-turning tease of what most certainly the series most horror-inspired series most horror-inspired season. Chapter 2 Vagueness Curse Remember that laser the Russians were using to open a portal to the upside down beneath the Starport Mall? Remember how Joyce blew it up and Hopper right along with it? Well, <sighs> in this episode, we learn what anybody who watched season 3's post credit scene. Any stranger season four trailers or read any pre-release interviews already knew Hopper did not blow up. Hopper is alive. He jumped. He jumped out of the way. Apparently, though, it would be a little more complicated. Anyway, he's alive and mostly unscattered. Unfortunately, the Russians quickly scooped him up and began to torture. The ever-loving hell out of him. They, they want to know who he works for. They want to know who Joyce is. He gives up, nothing that, and they give up on him, shipping him off his battered, bruised body to Kamchatka, Kamchatka, a brutal prison with its own dark secrets. This is something Joyce and Murray slowly come to learn about about pouring over the bizarre le- letter she found in the Russian doll. They call the number they call the number on the nurse and speak to a mysterious Russian who says Hopper is stuck, but that he can get him unstuck if they deliver 40k to a colleague in out in Alaska. Who is this man? By analyzing the audio, the drawing, upon linguistics clues, Murray speculates that the man is a prison guard that was very likely bribed by Hopper. Joyce never, never, never one to hesitate. Sprints to the bank to get money. Elsewhere. California, Mike's, Mike arrives, Mike arrives, clad, clad in what Argyle dreams, a, you guys know, it's a kind of crappy knockoff, but Argyle says the person of, of, of Garge, vibrant ocean pacific beach where they head to wrinkle mania 
with a sweet reunion turned sour after the arrival of Angela and her den denim-clad cronies. As wipeout blares over the speakers, the police surround Eleven before dousing her with a milkshake. As she wakes her wounds, Will reveals to Mike that Eleven has been lying to him. We also also we also says he also says he feels like a third will, adding that Mike made no real effort to sustain their friendship. They continue to argue as Eleven emerges and confronts Angel, demanding she says sorry and told Mike that they are really friends. They really are friends. When Angela cruelly rebuffs her, taking a shot at Hopper. In the process, Eleven snaps. With no powers to draw on, she grabs a skate and cracks Angela in the nose, drawing blood. A bad day just got immeasurably worse. In Hawkins, Max wakes from a nightmare to find cops speeding towards Eddie's outside. She sees Chrissy's mangled body. Later, she recalls three things to Dustin. The oddness of seeing Eddie and Chrissy together, the strange way her trailer's lights flickered in the night, and how right after they flickered, she heard Eddie scream and saw him flee in, the, in his van. Could he have killed Chrissy? Dustin is unconvinced, and he and Max go to the family videos with the mission. Use the store's surplus of phones phones to call Eddie's friends and find out where he want where he went. With Steve and Robin's help, they narrow their they narrow their search to seemingly empty lighthouse of drug dealer refer it petrified Eddie is hiding in the boathouse. He tells the four of them about what happened to Chrissy. Assuming they'll think he's crazy, they tell him about the upside down. Not so crazy anymore. <clears throat> the news of Chrissy's death are rippling throughout throughout Hawkins. The Tigers, for example, are recovering after a hard night of drinking. Lucas nursing his first hangover is in a particularly Rough shape. Wait, who gives a 15 year old, a 14 year old a drink? I mean, he's 15. Who gives a 15 year old a drink? It's an intox, and it's very illegal to intoxicate a 15 year old. I mean, I know Lucas is just a character, but you know, in real terms, he's 15. Lucas nursing his, his first hangover is in a particularly rough shape. When the cops show up with questions about Chrissy and her relationship to Eddie, Jason is shocked. Chrissy didn't do drugs and would never hang out with a freak like Eddie. Boiling over with anger, Jason gathers the tigers and puts it a theory. He's read about Dungeons and Dragons. The way it's encouraging 
It doesn't encourage that, my person. It blurs fantasy and, and reality in mind of its players. That's totally untrue. The bark is like an epidemic, he says, adding that Eddie was clearly engaged in... No, he's not. He's not encouraging to that stuff. We'll kill again. Eddie never did that before. In fact, he should persuade the entire Hellfire Club, which, which he deems a cult. When, when Lucas tries to inter interject and say it's not a cult, just a club, he looks at He's looked at with the suspicious le leading him, suspicion leading him to real, to real and, and deny his own involvement. Popularity, it's a hell of a drug. What the? Who cares about popularity, my daddy? Nancy investigates the murder with Fred, finds the, finds the, you know, the devil in the air. Two, the devil lives in, lives here in Hawkins. Says one residence of Eddie and Max's trailer park. I would never live in Hawkins if he lived there. Then Nancy talks to Eddie, Eddie's uncle Wayne, who who has his own theories. It wasn't Eddie who killed Chrissy, but Victor Creel. It wasn't Victor either. It was Victor. I mean, sorry, that's a spoiler. You know, if you've seen that, if you've seen Volume One, decades back, Krill was said to have killed his entire family, cutting their out, their eyes out. Christie's eyes were gone too. The problem, Krill, Krill's locked in Pinhurst Mental Hospital, has been for for for, for years. Maybe he escaped. He's a real boogeyman, says Wayne. Boogeyman? In one word, for whoever is terrifying Hawkins, terrorizing Hawkins, Fred learns, learns it. <clears throat> Sorry. Fred learns as much, and he begins seeing monstrous visions of his own. First, a learning cop grows tentacles. And assuming and assist in accusing him of being a murderer. Later, he sees the same grandfather clock that Chrissy did before she died. It's surrounded by rotten zombie like figures who echoed the cop's accusation of murder. Fred eventually finds himself on a lonely dark road where a flaming car brings back traumatic memories. He was in a car accident the year the year before he lived and the other driver died it's unclear if he actually was responsible to the other driver's death but that means nothing to the humanoid create creature that approaches him i want you to join me it says fred dies just as chrissy did bone snapping and ice sucking into the school as he levitates high but the ground boogeyman isn't good enough for Dustin. Dustin, lest we forget, has a talent for, for naming the many creatures stranger things. 
For this one, he draws upon Eddie's current creation, Vigna, spellcaster. He says, a dark wizard. I'm gonna do the next chapters later, my guys. I'm gonna do the next chapters, um... I'm gonna do the next chapters, um... On the next episode. See you guys.